0: A few years ago, I went to Duluth with my good friend and classmate, Father Marcus. This was one of our mountain biking trips over the summer. And one morning, we're having breakfast at Perkins before hitting the trail. And on the table at Perkins, there's this magazine, Land for Sale. I'm paging through it as we're waiting for breakfast, and there's all these parcels of land all over northern Minnesota for super cheap. And I'm like, Marcus, like, we could buy some property up here. Like, we could do all kinds of stuff with that. Like, we could put something there, keep our bikes there, ride around there, like, all kinds of ideas. Wouldn't that be awesome? And you know, it, was like, it was like a few thousand bucks. Like, it wasn't cheap, but like, you, know, you could do it. And uh, we're kind of like talking about this, and then we read the fine print. And for every single property in there you would read things like no water or sewer access no legal road access swamp land susceptible to annual flooding and we realized that all these pieces of land were so cheap because nobody wanted them because they were all terrible they were horrible pieces of land someone's trying to fork them off and get a few bucks for it So there went my idea of coming back to the parish and, you know, putting a for sale sign on my Honda and selling the bike and pawning off my theology books for a few bucks a copy, trying to scrounge up enough money to like have my own piece of land up north. It all went away. Unless there was something on that land that no one else knew about that was very, very valuable. And then as I have a for sale sign on my car and selling my bike and selling my theology books, You all at the parish might think, Father, what are you doing? This sounds really foolish. This final session of our homily series about evangelization is all about this treasure hidden in the field. The last seven weeks we've been talking about evangelization. We started with Jesus saying, The harvest is abundant, And the laborers are few. And we know that you and I are the laborers, the workers that God wants to bring in the harvest, to bring in God's sons and daughters into his kingdom, to bring them back home. That time is now, and those people are us. We're called to be people that evangelize and a parish that evangelizes. In the gospel today, Jesus talks about someone who finds a treasure in a field very unexpectedly and then goes and sells everything to buy that plot of land. The person who would do that must have seemed pretty foolish to others. You're buying swampland up north? Why? It's worthless. What are you doing? What's this all about? That's so foolish. But the person who discovers the kingdom of God finds a treasure unlike any other on this earth. To come upon the kingdom of God and to discover Jesus is a treasure of infinite value. The kingdom of God is the life of perfect freedom and joy that the Father wants for all of us. And it's a free gift it's a free gift, but at the same time it requires that we be ready to give up everything for. Jesus asks us to be his disciples by giving up everything to follow him. And that's what happened to the first apostles who were called by the seashore. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. The last line of Luke 5 says, and they left everything and followed him. They had discovered something so incredible that they could get up and leave and look very, very foolish to other people. The kingdom of God is a prize of infinite value. As we conclude this homily series, what I exhort you to, brothers and sisters, both this week and for the rest of your life, in order to be an evangelist for Jesus, is this. Become a fool for Christ. Become a fool for Christ. St. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this world, you, shall, you should become fools so that you may become wise. And then he says, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength." To become a fool for Christ means to live your life in such a way that it doesn't make sense to anyone except that you found a treasure. You found something that maybe other people haven't found or found yet, You're living for something which is so amazing, and people are like, I wonder why he does that. I wonder why she does that, or doesn't do this, or does do this. Live your life in such a way that you're not afraid of standing out, or making waves, or even being ridiculed, because you know you found a treasure. You found a kingdom that will have no end, and that kingdom in person is Jesus Christ. Live your life in such a way that people stop and ask things like, wait, 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 you're interrupting your vacation to go find a church on Sunday? Wait, you're, you're gonna forgive your relative even though she never apologized to you? You're gonna give up your, your usual annual week in Florida to go on a mission trip? You were not going to that party just because they have all that alcohol there. You spoke about God and God's law to your child's school teacher? These things might seem so foolish to others, but to those who have found the buried treasure in the field, it makes perfect sense. Following Jesus and being part of his kingdom is worth more than all this world has to offer and if you believe that and you live that way in this world to some people you'll appear very foolish I hope that at some point in all of our lives whether it happens a lot or it just happens a few times I hope that all of us can every now and then wear proudly the badge that says fool for Christ I'm all in I'll give up everything for the kingdom I know who I follow I want everyone to have the sense of waking up every morning and realizing, I've won the lottery. If you win the Powerball, the Mega Millions, it's very common for family and friends to want to get a little piece of the pie. And lottery winners have to think about, how much am I going to give away to family and friends? How much will I have left? How many millions do I need? But when you win the lottery of the kingdom, the opposite happens. The more you give away of what you've been given, the more you get. The more you share your faith and live for Christ publicly, visibly, the more glory there is in heaven. You know, we heard about King Solomon in the first reading. This is over 2,500 years ago. King Solomon has a dream, and God asks Solomon, Solomon, what would you like? I will give it to you. I think a lot of us might be like, you know, Genie in a Bottle, God Magic magic Wish, we're like, Powerball, let's go. I know I've been there before, right? Goodbye, so much swamp land. No, I'm just kidding. And Solomon, what does he ask for? He doesn't ask for riches or honor or a long life. He asks for a wise and understanding heart. He asks that others may be blessed Through him, he says, Lord, I'm a young king, and your people are vast. How can I bless your kingly people? Give me a heart that knows right from wrong. Give me a heart that's understanding. And God is pleased with his request. The amazing thing is that in the lines after that first reading that we missed today, It says that God says to Solomon, Solomon, because you've asked for this, I give you everything you did not ask for. I give you riches. I give you honor. I give you a long life as you keep my commandments. Now, I can't guarantee anybody here that in this earth, in this life, you'll have riches, honor, or a long life. I can't guarantee that. The Bible does not guarantee that. But it does guarantee That in the life of heaven, the more we give away on earth and the more we serve the kingdom, we'll get a hundredfold back. God is never outdone in generosity. You give a little bit, you get so much back. You share your faith, you receive so much glory. You give of yourself in sacrifice out of the love of our Savior, and he will exalt you in the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, we have this confidence only because of what God has done for us and what we know to be true. What's been handed on to us by the apostles, by the shepherds of the church, by the saints, by the holy ones, down to our age, down to Roseville in 2023. We have this confidence that we can be fools for Christ and bring in the harvest because of the good news. What is that good news? The good news, friends, begins with God in the beginning of time creating you sheerly out of love. He made you only so that you would enjoy his infinite happiness and joy without end. That's why you exist and in the beginning we know that our first parents and we ourselves have disobeyed God and turned away from that gift and chosen our own selves and our own plans and we continue to hurt one another and to offend God we were captured by an enemy who sought to destroy us and wipe out the image and likeness of God from the earth the evil one your destiny was an unending torment of agony and darkness, and death. All of us were consigned to that. But God in his loving kindness and mercy chose to send his son in the flesh like us in all things but sin. He lived a human life and called disciples himself to establish his kingdom of light in the midst of the kingdom of darkness. And this Jesus Christ bled for us was mocked for us, spat upon for us, trampled on, and crucified on a cross. He poured out his life for us, even though he was totally innocent. He could have called upon his Father to send legions of angels to destroy his executioners and to wipe us out. But he chose to suffer in love for you, that you might live again. And on the third day, God raised his son from the grave. Jesus trampled death by death and rose again victorious. He showed himself to his disciples. He ascended to the Father and sits at his right hand, and he poured out his Holy Spirit upon the church until the end of time, that you and I could know Jesus here and now, that we could have a life-changing relationship with Jesus and not be slaves to our sins and our passions and the world and the devil. He gave us the down payment of what eternal life will feel like when he gave his spirit. He rescued us. And now he waits for your response and my response each day. God asks us to trust in Jesus, to be part of this kingdom, and to be his co-workers who bring in the harvest. Every single day of our lives is a single invitation from God to joy. A love letter from the divine seeking our eyes. A marriage proposal where God is on bended knee asking if we will unite with him and share our lives with him. Brothers and sisters, to many it might look very foolish for us to follow Jesus and live for his kingdom, but all we can do is point to the imitation of our Savior and and see, in one sense, how foolish it was for God to go through all this for me, how foolish it looks for God to spend all this energy and all this time and all of history in order to come and find me and rescue me. The fact is, to God, to Jesus, you are the buried treasure, you are the pearls, you are the priceless beloveds he's been seeking, and he's found us. Brothers and sisters, people in love will do often unreasonable, wild, crazy things for those they love. That's what God has done for us. Let's be fools for Christ because He has loved us with love beyond all telling, and we love Him with a love that will never end.